Hi, SCC. I'm Jeanette Dupree. And I'm Wayne Dupree. Uh, we've been with SCC for a few years now, and um, before COVID, I was volunteering in the children's ministry. And I work on the tech team, and we love our church. <laughs> Today, we're going to be reading from James 3.13 through 18. If you are wise and understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For whatever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James 3, 13 through 18. Have a blessed day, peeps. <laughs> Bye, SEC. <laughs> oh, everybody loves Wayne. That's great. Um, that was awesome. So if you've got your outline or your program, open it up to the outline. There's a couple of things I want you to jot down today. Um, all the scriptures that we're going to use are on the side screens. And um, if you're watching online, the scripture will be on the bottom of your screen. It's a great time for you to download. Use pause it, download, print out your outline. Or if you want to download that onto your device, you can fill it in with your, you write on it right with your finger or with, um, with the stylus if you have one of those. Um, if you're here, grab those out because, like I said, there's a few things I want you to jot down. You know, I am amazed that we, as we go through the book of James. Now, remember, James is written by Jesus' half-brother 2,000 years ago. I am just amazed at how applicable, how relevant this is to what we're going through in 2020 in, in this COVID pandemic. Today in James chapter 3, we're going to talk about the secrets of how to get along together. Do you think we need this as a country, how to get along together? We're going to, he tells us how to live in harmony with each other. And he tells us how to have peaceful relationships. You remember a couple of weeks ago, the first half of James was all about how to manage your mouth, how to, how to tame your tongue, how to control what you say in response to people. Well, this tells us, the second half of James starts to teach us how to have peaceful relationships. Let me read right there if you've got if you've got it in front of you. Let me let me read along these scriptures if you're if you're wise and I'm going to have you circle a couple of these things. If you're wise and un, and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. So God says the the first mark of wisdom is found in our relationships with each other. The second mark of wisdom is humility. And then in verse 14 it says, But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. The Bible says if we allow selfishness and bitterness and jealousy into our relationships, that we're being unwise. Really what it says is you're being a fool. You're being a fool, Jerry. 
Because those things don't come from God, which is kind of like, uh, duh, yeah, of course they don't. Verse 15, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and spiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above, that's what I want you to circle, that phrase, the wisdom from above. We're going to keep coming back to that phrase six times in our message today. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. And it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are... Six things he lists. We're going to talk about those. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Those that are peacemakers. You know, it's interesting to me that if you were to go and poll the average American on the street of America and say, what is your number one prayer request? You see this all the time at beauty pageants, right? What is your number one? World peace. That's what I would wish for. That's what I would pray for. World peace. Now, the truth is, we all doubt that there will ever be world peace, probably, um, and we think of world peace as something that's a far-fetched kind of a kind of something that's almost unattainable. That's why we need God's help to create world world peace. But the fact of the matter is, the peace that we have some control over, I think it's even it's as important as praying for world peace is being a peacemaker in our own relationships. So this week we're going to learn from James what it takes to sow the seeds of peace. In our relationships, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our kids, with our parents, with our siblings, with our church family, with our co-workers, with our community, with our neighborhood. All the relationships that you have, personal relationships, need us to continue, if we're going to be wise, to continue to sow seeds of peace in those relationships. And then next week we're going to look at this exact same verse, this last verse, 18, and we're going to look at how, how do we harvest righteousness and justice you know we want righteousness and justice to prevail and james is saying listen when you plant the seeds of peace that is what eventually allows you to have a harvest of righteousness or justice every day in every relationship we are planting seeds every day in every relationship we are planting seeds. the only question is what kind of seeds are we planting you heard about these free seeds that come through Amazon from somebody in China? Anybody planted any of those in their backyard? No, you, you get these seeds in and you're going, I'm not going to plant this. I have no idea what this is. This sounds like the beginning of a really bad B movie, right? Look, free seeds, just plant them. What could happen? It's 2020, right? What, what bad could come from that? No, of course, nobody plants those unsolicited free seeds from overseas. What kind of seeds are we planting in our relationships? Are we sowing seeds of anger, of distrust in our relationship? Are we sowing seeds of impatience and fear? Are we sowing seeds of criticism or nagging or, or anything else? Whatever I sow, it's going to come back. I'm going to reap. And that's why, if we're going to have good relationships, James says, if you want to have 
wise, healthy, peaceful relationships with no conflict, or at least less conflict, then you've got to sow the seeds of peace. So what are those? Well, he gives us six seeds to plant for peaceful relationships. And if we're going to be peacemakers in our homes, if we're going to be peacemakers in in our company, if we're going to be peacemakers in our church or our neighborhood or the world, I've got to learn how to sow these six seeds. Now, I've got to warn you. I'm going to have you grade yourself at the end. I want you to give yourself, as we go through these, an A or a B or a C or a D or an F or an A minus, B plus, whatever you want to do. Those of you who are math whizzes, you, you, can, you can walk out of here maybe with a 4-0 average. Maybe. Some of us are hoping for a 2-0. We just want to be average, you know. Um, so I'm going to ask you to grade yourself at the end, and then we'll talk about how we can improve in our interpersonal relationships, our capacity to love people, to have peace with people. Because a lot of the ways that we act towards each other actually provoke conflict. It, they provoke the exact opposite of what we're hoping for. So let's look at these. You might even want to look at these six things as a checklist. Like, do I have these six, am I operating these six ways with my spouse, with my kids, with my, with my siblings? How do I plant the seeds of peace? Because he says it all comes from wisdom. If I get the wisdom of God, then he will give me these six things to plant to my relationships. Why don't you write these down? Number one, if I want to be a peacemaker in my relationships, Number one, if I'm wise, I won't compromise the truth. Will you fill that in? I won't compromise the truth. Because the first thing he says, I had you circle, the wisdom from above. The first thing he says, the wisdom of, from above, this is James 3.17, is first of all pure. Real wisdom is pure. Now what is James talking about? He's talking about telling the truth. So I want to be very basic here. Let me give you this verse first. Proverbs 15:26 says, "The Lord delights in pure words. Words that are truthful, not words that are dishonest, not words that are false, not words that are lies. If I'm going to be a peacemaker in my relationship, the first thing I've got to do to be wise is to tell the truth. If I'm going to be wise in our relationship together, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to stretch the truth. I'm not going to tell you half-truths. I'm going to always tell you the truth. I'm not going to cheat you. I'm not going to take advantage of you. If we're going to have a healthy, peaceful relationship, then I'm not going to try to deliberately deceive you. I'm not going to try to mislead you. When we tell the truth, and we always tell the truth, we tell the truth all the time with our spouse. I mean, you wouldn't think we need a pastor to say, hey, you shouldn't be lying to your spouse. You shouldn't be lying to your kids. You've got to tell your family the truth. That's almost like a duh, of course. You don't even need a pastor to tell you that. You know that. But let's get to the basics of this. Some of the reason why we have conflict in our interpersonal relationships, those who are closest to us, is because we don't always tell the truth. We shade the truth. We bend the truth. And do a pretzel and tie it in a knot sometimes. Why do you think God mentions this first? Right out of the gate, he says first. I'll tell you why. It's because relationships are built on trust. 
All relationships are built on trust, and all trust is built on truth. There's no trust without truth. We can't have trust without truth. Not some truth, not even mostly truth, but if your relationship is built on almost all truth but just some lies, it's very difficult to have trust in your relationship. In order to have trust, we have to have truth. So the first thing we have to do is we have to tell the truth. Honesty is the bedrock of all relationships. This is what he means when he says wisdom that is pure, it's truthful, it's real, it has integrity. Now, you probably don't know who Dr. Leonard Keeler is, but you have all heard of the device that he invented. Dr. Leonard Keeler invented the lie detector, or the lie detector test, we would probably call it. And Dr. Keeler, after testing 25,000 subjects on his lie detector, is famous for his conclusion. He quotes his conclusion by saying, I conclude every human being is by nature dishonest. I think we probably can all agree you've met some dishonest, some people who are dishonest at times. We're all naturally dishonest. God doesn't want us to stay that way. Have you noticed that? I mean, even little guys, I mean, even toddlers, I don't know where they learn this. It must be from, they get it from their parents. Um, because they could be like three years old and you say, who did this? And they're like, not me. And it's like, you're the only one in the room. You're the only one in the house. Who did this? Not, not me, you know. Um, we're, we're almost born lying. It's, uh, God doesn't want us to stay that way. Ephesians 4.15, the message paraphrase says, God wants us to grow up and know the whole truth and to tell it in love. He wants us to know the truth and he wants us to tell the truth and he wants us to tell the truth in love. He kind of puts a, a caveat on it. So if I'm wise, I'm not going to compromise the truth. The second thing a wise person is going to do to plant seeds of peace in the relationship is if I'm wise, I won't antagonize your, an, your anger. I won't antagonize your anger. I won't push your buttons, no matter how much fun that seems to be. The second phrase in James 3.17 says, The wisdom from above is also peace-loving. Not just pure, but peaceful. What does that mean? It means that wise people have to work hard at keeping the peace or maintaining the peace in their relationships. Peace just doesn't keep on happening. You've got to work hard at continuing to plant seeds of peace into your marriage, into your kids, into your relationships at work. They work at making, maintaining harmony. They're not always looking for a fight. They don't get offended. Wise people don't get offended easily. Do you get offended easily? We live in a society that everyone gets offended all the time very easily. Just jump on social media and in five, five minutes you'll find five people who are offended by something one of their friends said. 
They're defensive all the time. They're carrying a chip on their shoulder. He says wise people aren't defensive. They don't carry a chip. Repeatedly over and over again, God says if I'm wise, I'll avoid arguments. Why? Because I'm not going to antagonize your anger. And if I'm wise in a relationship, I'll avoid those arguments. Proverbs 23, today's English version says, Any fool can start an argument. Oh, isn't this true? Any fool can start an argument. The wise thing is to stay out of it. I would say the wise and hard thing sometimes is to stay out of it. A mark of wisdom is we stay out of arguments. We want to comment, but we don't. We want to throw our two cents in, but we realize we're about bankrupt. Uh, We want to jump into the fray, but the wise person says, you know what, if I'm going to be wise in my relationships, I'm going to have peace in my relationships. I don't have to have the last word. I'm going to avoid antagonizing anger. What causes arguments? A lot of things. I want to just give you three things that will guarantee to cause an argument in your relationships. I could probably give you 33 things. Now, there's nowhere on the outline for you to write this down. Just stick it out in the white area there. Three things that can cause arguments in any marriage, any friendship, just about any relationship. Number one is comparing. Don't don't start comparing. The moment we start comparing, we're asking for and I'm comparing us. Why can't you be like so-and-so? Why can't you be like his wife? Why can't you be like her husband? Guaranteed argument. Or you're just like so-and-so, even worse. You're just like my mom. You're just like your mom. That's worse than my mom. You know, you're going you're gonna to get in an argument, guaranteeing you. You're going to be in marriage counseling soon. Comparing always leads to arguments. Condemning is the second thing. Don't, don't start condemning. It's all your fault. You should be ashamed of yourself. Those are condemning words. We, we like to lay on the guilt, don't we? Or we use phrases like, well, you ought to, or you should, or you shouldn't, or you always, or you never. These are the words that lead to an argument. Third thing, contradicting. Contradicting gets us into arguments. You know what contradicting is? It's when, I hate when someone does this to me, and people hate when I do it to them. Contradicting is when I interrupt you in the middle of of your sentence to correct you about some detail in the story. It's so irritating. So if you're... If you're telling the story or they're telling the story and you're like, and we, w- we went down the road and we turned left into the parking lot, like, no, 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 it wasn't left, it was a right, it was, we were heading south. And you're like, this doesn't matter to the whole story. Left, right, doesn't matter. Just we turned into the parking lot. Well, but we did turn, you know, that is so annoying, right? And, and if, if you're around someone and the wife's trying to tell a story, the husband keeps interjecting all these, yeah, but you know that was wrong, no, that was, it was, it was 1103, it wasn't 1105, you know. You're, you're thinking to yourself, we're never going to get to the end of the story. They're going to be fighting before this is over, kind of a thing. Let me just tell you, when you're in the middle of an argument, don't sweat the small stuff. If someone gets a detail wrong, just don't worry about it. I know, you're, you're going, but number one is the truth. We've got to tell the truth in love. William James, who's a famous psychologist, <clears throat> he's, one of his famous quotes is, Wisdom 
is the art of knowing what to overlook. I love that quote. Wisdom is the art of knowing what to overlook. I'm not so wise. (laughs) If your spouse is the one getting the detail wrong, do not correct them. Every time they get a detail wrong, you, you 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 will start an argument. Third thing, number three, if I'm wise, I'm going to plant seeds of peace. I won't compromise the truth. I won't antagonize your anger. And number three, I won't minimize your feelings. Will you fill that in? I won't minimize your feelings. Mm. This is the one that is so difficult for most of us as Christians. This is the third of the six seeds that we're also grading ourselves on. The Bible says that wisdom is considerate. Um, James 3.17, the, the third thing it says is, The wisdom from above is gentle at all times. Wisdom from above is gentle at all times. Real wisdom is gentle with people. What that means, considerate of people, what that means is that we're mindful of the feelings of the other person. That's what it means to be gentle and considerate. Now, most of us, we're not really thinking about their feelings. We're thinking about our feelings. We're thinking about our agenda. We're thinking about being understood. We're thinking about proving we're right, because of course we're right. When we have wisdom, we don't just think about our goals and our interests, our, our needs. We start thinking about their feelings. And one of the most common mistakes we make in our marriages and our friendships, at work, at school, our neighbors, is if I don't feel the same way you feel, then your feelings must be either invalid or illogical or at least unimportant to me. So I don't have the same fears that you do, or I don't have the same concerns that you do, or I haven't had the same experiences that you do, so they must not be important. Why don't we try this this week? When somebody in your world expresses a negative emotion, you're going to experience this probably not this week, but by the end of the day. You know, you're going to have somebody that has a little meltdown or they they vent a little or there'll be somebody on your Facebook feed who rah, rah, rah. And why don't we, instead of getting offended, instead of getting defensive, Instead of minimizing it, like they don't matter to me, or changing the subject, here's what I want us to try to do. Why don't we just try to absorb the pain? Why don't we just try to be quiet and listen? Why don't we just... Folks, this is called love. It's also maturity. It's the same way God handles us. When we have a little meltdown, when we get all exasperated, when we vent, when we throw even a little hissy fit, God doesn't go, yeah, but what about, and here's the magic Bible verse. Aren't you glad God doesn't comment on our Facebook feed? I mean, God's not on Facebook. Now, he reads your Facebook feed. That's scary enough, right? So does your pastor, by the way. Some of you should check. I'm friends with Jerry. Maybe I should clean this up a little bit. I pray for you. That's why I read, I'm like, oh, Lord, they need help. And he says, yeah, don't you comment on it. (laughs) So why don't we try that? Why don't we just try, when somebody brings up a painful situation, 
Why don't we not try to equalize it? Don't you hate when somebody does that? I mean, do you have those people in your life? This drives me crazy, and I hate when, I hate when it happens. And you're like, you have, this, you have this painful experience in life. You're like, I, I sprained my ankle. I broke my ankle. And they're like, well, when I was your age, I broke both my ankles and my wrist. You're like, what does that have to do with my ankle? I'm dying over here. Well, when I was, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of bad day you've had, you have. They've had it worse, or they've had more of them. You know, no matter what, you're like, my, my whole life's a country record. And you're like, well, my life is a Grammy Award. You know, I mean, they just can out, out-pain you. They, they just one-up you every time, right? Listen, let's not be that person. We're trying to connect with them in their pain. They're like, you know, you know, I have a gallbladder issue. He's like, well, I had a kidney stone. He's like, what does that have to do with my gallbladder? Well, I understand your pain, and I want you to know I have more of it. Listen, why don't we just try to just listen? It's interesting. Maybe we should pay attention. God gave us two of these and one of these. Two ears, one mouth. We can be a lot more wise if we use our two ears twice as much as our one mouth. We learn from our study in Job that what we need to do when people are in pain is we need to show up and shut up. That's what Job's friends did. In fact, the more pain they're in, like if you have a friend experience the loss of a family member or the loss of a job or something deep, they don't need words. They just need your presence. Show up and shut up. Now, if they're just having a bad hair day, you can talk all you want. But when people are in pain, they don't need our words. They don't need our platitudes. They don't need us to to solve it. Well, if you'd stay off the skateboard or you wouldn't goof around, you wouldn't hurt your ankle. That's not love. That's not sowing peace into your relationship. We show up and we shut up when they're in pain. And maybe they'll do the same for us someday. This could save your marriage. This could save your family. It could save our nation. Romans 15, 1-3 says... We who are strong enough to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good. Build him up, for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you fell on me. This may happen sometimes in our lives, especially as Christians. The insults of those who insulted others may fall on you. They're not even insulting you. They're not even attacking you. They're attacking somebody near you or close to you or or you're just an innocent bystander. But some of that will spill over onto you. You know, you learned this as a kid. Your dad would come home. He's mad at work, but he takes it out on you. You learned this in school. Teachers had a bad day. They take it out on you. Everybody's going to flunk this quiz. This happens in life. You feel like, well, hey, what, what, you know, what's this got to do with me? You know, what did I do? Sometimes people's stuff spills over and insults land on us, and you didn't do anything. And your temptation is to defend and to set the record straight and to, and to fix it all and to, you know, call a lawyer, whatever your idea is. Can we just be like Jesus And realize that sometimes the insults of others, of those who are insulting others, are going to fall our way. And let's just be Christ-like in that. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, 
you'll fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? We talked about this last week. The law of Christ is love your neighbor as yourself. We did a whole message on how to love your neighbor in a pandemic. I hope you'll read that or watch that. That you can go online and, and catch up. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. Peacemakers are wise in their relationships. If I'm wise, I won't compromise the truth. I won't antagonize your anger. I won't minimize your feelings. And then number four, if I'm wise, I won't criticize your suggestions. This is another good one. If I'm wise in a relationship, I won't criticize your suggestions. Well, we could save a lot of problems in our country today if people would listen to this one. The Greek word that's used here, it's only used one time in the Bible, right here in this verse, the wisdom from above, James 3.17, the fourth thing is, is willing to yield to others. It literally means to be open to reason and not defensive. The Revised Standard Version says, you're open to reason, you're not defensive. It means we're reasonable and we're open to discussion. We're not defensive, we're willing to be persuaded. A wise person can learn from anyone. Did you know that a wise Christian can even learn from non-Christians? What can they what can learn from anybody? not even a believer? What does he know? No, no, no. Wise Christian, you can learn from anybody. Because here's the thing. You're not just learning from them. Really, God's the one who reveals truth. He's the one that we learn from. But God uses other people to teach us. God often uses, the, you know, people who are, they don't even know they're teaching us a lesson. They might not even be a believer. It says that the fool is, a wise person can learn from anybody, but the fool is shut down, they're stubborn, they're closed-minded, they can never learn anything. You ever met one of those people? You can't teach him anything. He already knows everything kind of a person. We need to not be that kind of a person. If we're going to have peace in our relationships, we've got to realize we can learn from our kids. There's a lot of lessons you can learn from your kids. You can still learn from your parents, even if you're 53, like me. So it says we're not stubborn if we're wise. We're willing to listen, willing to learn. This is needed in our world today. Nothing is needed more than this because nobody's listening to anybody anymore. This political party isn't listening to this political party. This rabid news organization on cable isn't listening to this rabid news organization on cable. Everybody's just talking at each other, talking at each other, talking at each other. Nobody listens anymore. They're not open. They're defensive. Well, I can't solve all of those people, but I can solve my problems and my relationships by asking myself, am I a reasonable person? Are you? Are you, can your kids reason with you? Can my kids reason with me? Can your wife reason with you? Can your husband reason with you? Or are you one of those people who are like, don't confuse me with the facts. I've already made up my mind. If we're going to be wise in relationships, we're going to have to be a peacemaker. We're going to have to be open to reason. heard about a, a young pastor. He was a new pastor. He was at his first pastorate. He was fresh out of seminary, and he was nervous to preach his first sermon. I remember I've been there. Sometimes I'm nervous to speak in front of you on Sundays, and half of y'all like me. I think at least half. 
He says, you know, this is my first sermon, and I'm nervous, and I'm not very good at this. I don't have a lot of experience at this. So here's what I'd like to do. You can tell he was young because he says, I want you to make suggestions to me. I'd like some feedback from you because I just want to get better. So at the end, why don't you come up and tell me how I can improve or how it was. Well, at the end of the service, he's standing up front, and this, this guy from the church, an old man from the church, walks up and says, Pastor, I just, want, I just want you to know your sermon stunk. And he's like, well, that's feedback, but, you know, it's not very constructive. He said, okay, specifically what stunk about my sermon? He says, well, there's three things, three problems with your sermon. He said, first of all, first of all, you read it. Second of all, you didn't even read it very good. And third of all, it wasn't worth reading in the first place. And he was kind of dejected. He kind of felt like, well, man, I asked. That's what I got. And then one of the nice ladies of the church came up, and she felt sorry for him. And she's like, oh, pastor, don't worry. Don't pay any attention to old Jim. He just repeats what he hears everybody else say. <laughs> yeah, that helped. Being open means we're not defensive. We don't take everything personally. And today, we live in a society where almost everybody is defensive and everybody takes everything personally. Let's not be offendable. Okay, you want to be a peacemaker in your home? You want to be a peacemaker at work or in the world? Then don't compromise the truth. Then don't antagonize someone's anger. I won't minimize your feelings. I won't criticize your suggestions. Number five, James says, I won't emphasize mistakes. I won't emphasize your mistakes. <clears throat> if I'm wise in our relationship, James 3.17, here's how he puts it. The wisdom from above is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It's full of mercy. It's forgiving. It's generous. It's helpful. Are we quick to point out everything wrong in the world? Are we quick to point out everything wrong at home or everything wrong at church or everything wrong in our company? Do we jump on every little mistake, every little error? Do we feel duty-bound to remind everybody of the last time we did this, how bad it went? Are we picky, picky, picky about everything? Do we get all hysterical and historical? You know, we bring up all the past Times that things have gone wrong. You see, mercy, the Bible says, is a mark of wisdom. Mercy is giving people what they need, not what they deserve. When somebody stumbles, we don't judge them. We hopefully don't laugh at them. Instead, we encourage them. Or we help them up. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Love forgets mistakes, nagging about them parts the best of friends. What mistakes do you need to forget about that your spouse has made? What mistakes do you need to forget about that your parents or your kids have made? What mistakes do you need to forget? You just need to let it go, like Elsa sings. Let it go, let it go. I hear that song all the time at our house. It's Mila's favorite. There's some things you probably need to stop bringing up. 
You've brought it up more than enough over the last several years. Stop and let it go. It could bring some peace to your marriage, to your relationship, to your company. If I'm wise, I won't do these things. I won't continue to emphasize your mistakes. There's one more, sixth thing. Remember I said wisdom says if I'm going to be wise in my relationships and have peace, then I've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this. This is the end, this. Number six, if I'm wise, I won't despise our differences. This is what America needs to hear today. This is what we need to hear today. This is a big one. Because one of the biggest sources of conflict in our marriage, in our relationship with others, any relationship, is that we expect other people to think the way we do. That's what we expect. And we expect other people to, to feel the way that we do and to act the way that we do and to be motivated by the things that motivate us and to have the same priorities that we do and the same perspective that we do. We expect other people to judge everything the way that we do. What's the problem here? Well, in addition to pride, because I think I'm right, you think you're right, and everybody in the world should think and feel and react the way you and I do, the real root problem of this is we don't want people to be who God made them to be. We want them to be the way we want them to be, like us. That's a formula for conflict. The antidote is to simply realize and admit God made me a certain way and he made the other six or seven billion people on the planet different than me. I mean, that's, think about what the world would be if everybody was just like Jerry Walsh. There'd just be six billion of us. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would be very, very plain and boring. For sure. Thank you for not amen and too loud. This is what James says. The seeds of peace, if we're going to have peace in our relationship, we've got to realize that people are different than us. And we've got to celebrate those differences. James 3.17, today's English version says, But the wisdom from above is free from prejudice and hypocrisy. Circle prejudice and circle hypocrisy. These two words are actually from the same. They actually are from two different Greek words that look almost alike. And he's saying we've got to be free from prejudice and free from hypocrisy. Wise people are free from prejudice. What does that mean? Well, it means that we don't despise differences. We celebrate differences. Just because somebody is different from us, that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just they're different. And we see that God, there's God's wisdom in making us all different. We think differently. We have different experiences. We talk differently. You realize people talk differently than you? Not, not just different languages, just, just even if they all speak English. You know, some of you from the deep south, I can't understand a word you say. I know it's English, but I have no idea what you're saying. Some of you from the northeast, I can't understand you either. How can we all be from the east coast and still we can't understand each other and we're all speaking the same quote-unquote language? Nancy and I were in Buffalo one time. Miami's playing Buffalo today in Miami. I don't know if we'll, I don't know if we'll do so good. Maybe the rain will help us. But we were in Buffalo, and we're looking at each other thinking, I can't understand half of these people. But before we could say anything, they looked at us and, say, and said, where are you all from? You talk so funny. 
And I'm like, well, they didn't say y'all. Where are you guys so fun? Y'all talk so funny. We're the ones that said y'all. And I'm thinking, we don't talk funny. You're talking funny. God's made us all different. And if we could just take a step back and realize, I don't have to have somebody be like me, think like me, vote like me, worship like me, for me to have a relationship with them. We could have a lot more peace in this world and in our own lives. So why don't we ask God to help us to become kind of free from that prejudice because God says, I love all the differences, Jerry. And I want you to be free from prejudice. The second thing he says is that wise people are real. They're genuine. They're authentic. They're honest. They don't fake it. He uses the words hypocrisy. They're not hypocrites. He says, he says it's, it's dumb, it's foolish to try to pretend like you're somebody else. And he's saying it's even more dumb, it's dumber, stupider, if that's a word, it's stupider to try to pretend like you're perfect. He says, don't try to pretend like you're somebody else and don't try to pretend like you're perfect. Because this is one thing we all know. You know you're not perfect, God knows you're not perfect, and all the rest of us know you're not perfect. We're not fooling anybody. So when we're honest with people and we're free of prejudice and we're not we don't have hypocrisy. We're, we're open about our own faults. That makes us have more peaceful relationships. So here's your homework. <clears throat> you ready for some homework? Everybody has to spend 15 minutes this week. 15 minutes with somebody different than you. I want you to find somebody this week and have a cup of coffee or have a conversation more than just a uh, a couple of words. I want you to sit down, look at them face to face, mask to mask. Somebody who is from a different culture than you or from a different age bracket than you. Find an old codger or a young whippersnapper, depending on where you are in life, and have a conversation. Maybe somebody from a different religion than you. Maybe somebody from a different race than you. And listen, don't argue about politics. Don't try to solve all the world problems. Just use two of these and less of this and just try to get to know them. Fifteen minutes, find somebody who is a different religion, a different race, a different culture, different age bracket, just somebody, and spend 15 minutes. That's learn to love someone not like you. Now, of these six different Seeds of peace. How would you rate yourself? A through F on all six. Give yourself an A if you got this one mastered. Give yourself an F if you've never even thought of this, never even heard about it. You know, give yourself a C, C minus, whatever it is. And let's start figuring out how can we, instead of just praying for world peace, how can we plant seeds of peace in our own relationships, in our own family? How do I get this wisdom? First, the first thing you've got to do to get wisdom is to get to know Jesus Christ. Look at this last verse on your outline. Christ is the key that opens all the hidden treasures of God, God's wisdom and knowledge. Circle the word key and the word treasure. Jesus Christ is the key that opens all of God's hidden treasure. You want to go to the treasure hunt? Jesus is the key that gives you God's wisdom and God's knowledge. 
the secret to wisdom is not a principle. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And wherever you need wisdom, well, really, whatever you need, he has the answer to all your needs. And if you want peace in your relationships, if you want peace in the world, if you want peace in your life, then the starting point is to invite the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, into your life. If you haven't done that, if you haven't invited the Savior into your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. We're going to pray in just a second. Because this is the starting point to bring harmony. The path to harmony and peace starts with the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Start getting God's wisdom in your life. Let's pray. If you'll bow your heads with me. And why don't you pray this, make this your prayer. Just say, all of us can pray this part. We can all pray and say, God, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom in my relationships because I make a mess of my relationships. Just say it. God, I make a mess of my relationships and I'm going to keep making a mess unless you help me. So I need your wisdom. I want to be a peacemaker not a troublemaker in my relationships. And I want to plant these seeds of peace. But God, to do that, I'm going to need your wisdom. And to get your wisdom, Jesus, I need to get to know you. So maybe that's your prayer today. You don't know Jesus. Maybe you need to pray and say, Jesus, I would like to get to know you. I am opening the door of my life to your, to you right now. I'm saying, come in. Come in and make yourself at home in my heart and in my mind and in my life. I want to build a friendship with you, Jesus. I want to learn to trust you and to love you and to follow your direction for my life. Can you make that your prayer, Jesus? I want to know your purpose for my life. Why I was made. So as much as I know how, Jesus... I want to say yes to you. I want to turn from my way and turn to your way. I want to follow you from this day forward. Please save me and accept me into your family. And I pray this humbly in your name. Amen.